I got introduced to alcohol at 16 and I found this wonderful feeling of release. I could be somebody that I always wanted to be. It became my friend. I'm Richard Fox and this is Messages of Hope. There are many tragic stories about the abuse of alcohol, but how does it start and how can it change? Stay tuned for A Ladder and a Torch, Daryl's lifelong story with alcohol. Well, thanks, Daza, for joining us today and to yeah, share thank, a bit of your story. Thank, thanks, Andrew. Just for a start, what do you love about life? Today I, I feel like I, I've been set free. It hasn't always been that way? No, it hasn't. I, I've been, I felt like I've been on the ball and chain and, and uh, in a deep hole that I couldn't get out of. Can you think back to where that started? Was it right from childhood or somewhere along the way? Where did things yeah, get Yeah, it really did start from childhood, I guess, from where I had a stepfather who reared and raised me. I never knew my real father. And he was, he was pretty heavy-handed with me. I was uh, never, ever patted on the back uh, for anything that I, did, that I did right, you know. There was never rewards there. And I got uh, beat up pretty heavily um, if, when I did things wrong. Mm. Where did things go from there? I got into a, a life of petty crime, sort of, with the young fellas and that, you know, and, yeah, breaking into factories, and I think it was just boredom, you know. I went to boys' homes, uh, two boys' homes, uh, between the age of uh, 12 years of age, up to 18 years of age, yeah, and then I graduated, I ended up go- going to jail for crime, you know, petty stuff again, yeah. What was that experience like, being in boys' homes? I, I felt totally shattered, and I had no one to turn to. I, I cried all the time in the boys' home, uh, I was lonely inside myself. I, I had nothing. Mm. And then the drink became? I, I got introduced to alcohol at 16, and I found this wonderful feeling of release that I could be somebody that I, I always wanted to be. I felt the loneliness disappear. It enabled me to be outgoing, a wonderful feeling of control. I got a, a heightened experience of being bulletproof, uh, uh, invincible. Um, the vulnerability was taken away. Like, how much did you have to drink to get those feelings of of confidence and stuff? Uh, or like, I'd probably have to drink in those days. Probably a couple of six packs of beer, you know, and that's mm. it's quite a lot for a young fellow, even those days. And I'd always drank heavy alcohol. Mm. Well, they never had light alcohol in those days, really, anyway, you know, so... Did you find that you needed more and more in yes. order to get to the same place? Or? Y- yes, I did, and that's where I found uh, that uh, it, I couldn't control it. I started to obliviate myself. Uh, came in, I got to the stage of drunken stupors, uh, and I didn't really know what I was doing. I'd be talking and communicating with people, but when I was asked the next morning, do you know what you got up to last night? I couldn't remember. I knew nothing. Was there a point in time when you started to realise that the thing that was doing good for you back at the start, when it stopped you feeling lonely and gave mm. you confidence, w- at what point did, did that change? I started to realise that I couldn't be like the bloke next to me would, uh, would have three or four beers and put it down. I looked at it this way. My 90% good times and like 10% bad times that most of us experience did a full circle on me. And it became 90% bad times and only, only 10% good times. I had the disastrous relationships all, be, all through alcohol. Um, they, they, they were there one minute and gone the next. And also got introduced to making home brew. And for me with an alcohol problem and a person who couldn't put it down, 
well, I spiralled out of control. That's where I stood on the landmine and everything exploded in my face. So how is it that we're talking to you today? Well, what, ha what happened to me was my boss pointed out that he thought that I was an alcoholic and I didn't like that word at all, you know. Very uncomfortable with that word. But I was relying on the alcohol. I could not function without alcohol. I couldn't even put it down for a day. You know, I was totally powerless. And uh, I came to the uh, conclusion that something had to be done. So my boss took me off to a couple of detox units. I failed miserably when I got out of there. I picked up the drink again. And uh, finally what did it for me, basically, the turning point was I found myself in a straitjacket in the mental health unit in uh, Cleveland Hospital. And uh, it was there that I made a decision that I needed to do a long-term program. But at the same time, another thing had happened to me. I woke up one morning and I was bright yellow. My stomach was way out here. My ankles were ballooned up and my liver was failing. I uh, went and had a uh, liver biopsy and uh, they said, in three months' time, we're going to bury you. You're going to die. And I said, but I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to rehab. They said, well, we know that, but uh, it's too late. And no matter what you do now, it doesn't matter. It's out of our control. You have 80% 80, 80 cirrhosis of a liver and the hepatitis C is eating the rest of your liver away. But... I decided to carry on. Uh, I wouldn't give up there. I decided to go to a long-term uh, program of rehab. I went into that program, uh, and the worst part about it was, for me, I was an atheist. You know, I had no, no belief in God. And it was a spiritual program in a Salvation Army uh, rehab, and um, I faked it that I, that I knew God, yeah. Anyway, it's a 43-week program, and I'd done 33 weeks, I had 10 weeks to go, and I got back on the drink and I was kicked out of rehab for being on the drink, zero tolerance. I stayed out for six weeks and I drank twice as bad. I realised that it was over for me, and I was still alive. I couldn't believe that, that there was something there was absolutely in, in my path that I was still alive. Went back to uh, rehab, six weeks later they accepted me back on program. I started the program and the turning point in my life came and why I've ended up here basically was that um, I was told I'd never make the program and I said, why is that? And they said, you need to find a higher power. And uh, I said, uh, why is that? And they said, well, no one has ever completely stayed sober and alcohol and drug free without, the, without a higher power, a God of their understanding. And I, I, I said to them that, that that's not true. I know plenty of people that are in recovery without the higher power. And he said, name someone. And I couldn't name anyone. I knew that I had to find a higher power, a God of my understanding. Now, I've only ever believed in something that only things that I could see. And that was very hard for me there. So I thought, what do people do? And I thought, they pray. So I thought, well, I'll become willing to have a go at this. I'll go and pray. I'll pray for one thing only. And I prayed. I remember laying in bed then saying, God, if you're for real, I said, can you help me get off the grog? I said, lift the compulsions, desires and cravings from me. If you were there, show me. And that's all I prayed for. And I was praying and praying. I just didn't feel like anything was working. And I believe I had like a gift come to me this one night when I was sitting down and, and I call it the gift of uh, self-awareness. What it was, I was sitting down there and I had this awareness that I hadn't been fighting the alcohol. Something had changed. 
it had been lifted off me. And I felt quite excited about it, you know. There was one caseworker in there, and guess what? He was a pastor. I didn't know these things were in place for me. This was God working. And uh, I talked to him. I said, I believe something's changed to me. Something's happened. And he said, what do you think that is? And I think, I think I might have found a higher power. Something's working for me. And he said, what do you believe your higher power is? And I didn't like the word God. I would never talk about God or anything like that. And out of my mouth came the word, I believe it's God. I couldn't believe I said that. So what happened for me from there is I opened the door and became willing and I surrendered and I handed my life over to the care of God. And every day it's just gotten better. The rewards of sobriety, my marriage is back on track. We've worked hard at it. I've been given my job back. I've been given my life back. My mother has even said to me in the last couple of years, welcome back, son, I've got my real son back. And I didn't know what she meant by that. And I realise now what it was is she had a wonderful loving son there as a young fella, got introduced to drugs and alcohol and was totally taken away. She didn't know me. I was a total stranger. But she's seen through the actions of working that program, the 12 steps of recovery, that I was given my life back. And my praise is to God for what he's done in me that I couldn't do for myself. And I humbly get on my knees sometimes and thank God mm. for what he's done for me. Mm. And this is where it's brought me today. It's just been a wonderful experience for me and I call it transformation, that, uh, that the old Daryl is buried and this is the new Daryl. And, uh, you know, I've got out of that hole. I've been given a ladder and a torch. And, man, it is great to be back in life again and living life on life's terms because these days I know that I have battles like everyone else, but I don't have to run back to the drink. How old were you when you became sober? Uh, I was 56, and I guess on that testimony of how God works, never been able to stay sober more than three months. Next month on the 23rd of July, I will be five years clean, and that is through the grace of God. And that is God's grace to me, because he's given me something that I really don't believe I deserved at, that, at, at the time. But today, I know God heaps his love on me. Mm. So, yeah, I think it's great, mate. It's, it's awesome. So, yeah, you feel like you, because of that childhood you had, yep. you were beaten and didn't feel like you were worth anything. Yeah. You've managed to deal with those. Because yeah. that were the things that, I guess, drove you to drink yeah, in the first place. Yeah, it was. It was uh, fear and uh, shame and just that I wasn't worthy of anything. And uh, I've had to face my fears. I've had to deal with shame. And I've faced it head on and I've worked hard and I've worked through it and I've come out the other side. And the reverse side of the coin for fear is faith. How would you describe this relationship you have with God? It's a fairly new relationship, really, it, isn't it? It is. But, you know, I find that relationship with God is a deep and personal relationship. That it's a great friend that I've found, but I just can't see him. I know he's there. I know he's never abandoned me, and I've had some wonderful conversations with him. That's how it is with me. It, it's a personal relationship that I have with God. What has helped you to deal with those fears? Was it just a conversation with God, or was other things happening? Or what? How did you get through that? Uh, it was God giving me confidence that things were all right, that uh, he was there when I needed him, and that helped me get through fear. And uh, if I stayed close to God 
and handed my will over to him and I have to do that on a daily basis because I still find there's a comfort zone of my own will. In five years, and yet I had 40 years on my own will. That's still extremely hard. I like to drag my own will back and I want to do it my way, but my way is not the way because everything is just unmanageable. I am only one arm's length away from picking up a drink and I can easily slip back into addiction. So I find I have to be very vigilant of my own will that uh, I have to hand it over because uh, I can't do this on my own. Mm. Yeah. Thanks, Dazza. No worries, mate. Yeah, sharing it's been all a, that today. It's, it's been a pleasure, mate, you know, to be able to share my testimony that I may be able to have, uh, be of some impact or help to someone else. Mm. If, if you were to say one thing to someone who's listened to this who may be facing a drinking problem... What would you say? I would say, please become willing to invite God in because he's there and waiting. All you have to say is, God, please come in and help me. I can't do this on my own. They don't need to go what I went through. Not at all. They can get this because we're all on equal terms. No one is better than anyone else. You're listening to Messages of Hope. The free booklet I'm offering today is titled... Battles with the Bottle. It's about two battles, one with alcohol and the other with recovery. This booklet offers a real hope that God can bring freedom from addiction. For your free copy of Battles with the Bottle, go to messagesofhope.org.au or call 1-800-353-350. That's 1-800-353-350. I'm Richard Fox. I hope you can join us again next week for another message of hope. Real hope to cope with life's challenges.